All right, welcome on back. Um, we got a two-man show today. Uh, we got to keep the uh, water either hot or cold in the tub, uh, depending on when you want to go in the tub. Uh, we got BCV here and myself. Bubs is out out uh, sick this week, um, but we got to keep the lights on. We definitely got to make sure the tubs can get get up probably up in the 90s or uh, down to probably the high 30s, depending on what how you like your tub. Um, so we're here. We'll talk a little week three recap, week four preview. We have a fantastic week of football, probably the best week we've seen so far, um, which makes up for the we thought week three would be bad. Week three was actually pretty entertaining. Um, BCB, thoughts? Yeah, so uh, people were calling it week three last year and spelling week W-E-A-K three. I don't think there's there's such thing as a, a week week of football, if you will. Um, but I'll say this, you know, week four. So week four is definitely not, not for the faint of heart here. You've got big games all day. Um, honestly, I thought last week was pretty good in terms of the quality of games. Um, and what you watched, everybody thought Colorado, Colorado State would be a blowout, ends up being a dogfight, a uh, hell of a game. So obviously Travis Hunter got hurt. That's that's a big thing. Uh, took two two very brutal beats on both my big plays. So that's not great. Uh, try, the, the tub's pretty cold on my end. We did okay in the, the lower end plays. Uh, had a couple outright winners as dogs. So that got us back a little bit. Um, you know, when you're, you're getting two to one on the money line, that, that, that helps when you're laying three units uh, on a Vanderbilt team that blows a 17-0 lead um, and a Louisiana Tech team that uh, gets destroyed by North Texas. But now we got, got a lot of good football here on the schedule this week. Excited to jump in. Obviously, big game for my own Miss Brooks. So let's jump right in. Let's get into uh, – let's probably start, like, headline – let's start with the headlines here. I think BCP probably mentioned one. Um, but I thoughts on the Blackburn hit on Travis Hunter. I think it was – in my opinion, it was blown out of football. Um, I played football in high school. Um, I've, we I've both watched a lot of football in our lives – uh, we're still young, but we've watched a lot of football. I would say that that storyline was probably the most blown out of proportion. Uh, thoughts on that hit and kind of, I'd sound like death threats to his family and him, which is just, that's what Colorado is right now, which is crazy. Um, but that's that's the week to week that we're going to get with Colorado. So, I mean, I thought the game was exciting. Colorado looked good. Colorado State's not a very good team. Uh, to be honest. So um, we definitely got a test for them, but I guess initial thoughts on that hit. I think it, it was late. Fine. It wasn't that excessive. It wasn't targeting. It wasn't the brutal hits we've seen in the past. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the kid, he got flagged for it, right. Which is all you can do. So it wasn't like they just kind of let it go. It was a cheap hit. I mean, it was after the play, it was cheap. 
Um, Travis Hunter got hurt. I mean, obviously he's going to miss a few games. Thankfully it wasn't, you know, some incredibly severe injury. Um, thing is though, I mean, obviously that's kind of the, the stuff they've tried to legislate out of football over the years, but like you go watch a game. Like I, I saw like people showing the Twitter clip from major right in the Florida, Ohio, Oklahoma national title game. Like that he lit a dude up just like that. <laughs> the sideline went crazy. And like there was, I don't even think there was a penalty on the play. So it's like you said, if you, if you kids that were watching it today, yeah, it's probably a little more startling to them. But like, if you were watching like football in the nineties, early two thousands, uh, heck if you were even playing Madden in like the early two thousands with the hit stick with the helmet popping off and stuff, it wasn't an egregious hit. It wasn't something that the kid needed to get death threats for. I'll say that I, I wouldn't, I mean, even I'll, I'll give Coach Prime credit, give Dion a little credit because he even defended the kid in, uh, you know, in the press conference a little bit today, saying, "Hey, you know, if you're the one sending death threats, let's not be doing that." So, yeah, it got it got a little blown out of proportion. I will say this: the the thing that outside of that, though, like nobody on the Colorado side really came to his aid after taking that hit. Like Shador was the only one who stepped up. Like, dude, if you're an offensive lineman, you need to be in that dude's ass. Couldn't agree more. I'm an offensive lineman. And then any player on my team ever got hit. I'm the first one there in that player's face. So, I mean, I, I would assume that coach Prime's watching that film and those coaches are watching that film and those all linemen are probably running this week. I would expect all five of them to be there. You didn't see the only player you saw there was Shador. And we know that him and Hunter are very, very, very close. Um, but I, I, kudos to him for being a dog and being there to stick up to the, but it, yeah, I mean, it hurt to see from a guy that has been in the trenches and loves the trenches. I know we both love the trenches. I mean, all linemen pride themselves on that. Like, all five of them should have been down there immediately. And I I even saw a take today where wouldn't be surprised if the whole sideline ended up getting on the field for that um, and making the refs throw a bunch of flags, maybe not even fight, but just, just all be there around that kid and at least talk some shit to him. I mean, get in his face, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't like seeing that, but at the same time, the clip of watching Shador go right there and call him out was awesome by itself. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, Colorado, it's, it's a roller coaster, man. It's crazy. I, I think I saw 9.3 million views on that game, which is bananas. Yeah. Which actually like Norvell might be a genius. Cause it, like last week, you know, at the time we did this, if you were just to go out and ask random people who's the coach of Colorado State, nobody could have told you. And now all of a sudden, everybody's glued to it. Like he's the underdog program. And I'll, I'll give Colorado State this credit. Like they got a shit ton of penalties. They probably had damn near 200 yards and penalties. I know they have like 120 in the first half, but they were the more physical football team and they weren't the most talented. Like they were. They kind of gave that game away. The only thing I wish Norvell, he had two two chances there. Uh, one at the end of the game where they – which ended up being a good punt. They pinned Colorado on like the 98 – or on the two-yard line, made him go 98 yards. Um, but then it was like a fourth and two. And I think you, you got to give your guys a chance to win the game right there, um, especially being up seven. Uh, I would have – 
I would have liked to have seen them go for it and try and get it there. And then also in overtime, the first overtime, they scored second. And as opposed to just going for two, again, they had two yards to win the game. They kick it, give the ball back to Colorado, which especially doesn't make sense to me because now in the second overtime, you got to go for two anyway. So uh, Colorado's offense have been hot. I don't think if you're trying to pull an upset, giving the ball back to Shador Sanders, who's a guy that like I couldn't have been more wrong about. Because uh, I thought at like, the beginning of the year, there's a chance he wouldn't be any good. He's, he's probably their best player. And like you said, he seems to be a great leader, great kid. Uh, might, might be the only one on that offense that has a sack now that, that Hunter's hurt. Uh, he's the only one that stood up for his guys. So, yeah, they're up against it this week. If they, they come out and let Oregon bully them around, uh, it's going to be ugly. And now they've got to do it without either their best or second best player, uh, however you want to cut it. Yeah, very interested in that game. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um get into a couple other games um I'm also I mean I'm I'm ready to say Tennessee's dead um I didn't get to watch a ton of that game I would say the other two main storylines would probably be Tennessee's dead I mean maybe Florida's back you were you were you nailed that game the line was sketchy um and I I I, I didn't get to watch a ton of it I was at a wedding but um it sure seemed like Florida was just bigger, better, and Tennessee couldn't really move the ball. Yeah, that's a game that really kind of gets overshadowed because of how good the Colorado-Colorado State game was. But, like, same kind of thing. Like, Tennessee gets dominated pretty much the whole game. Um, back when he was playing Big Ten football, he used to call him Joe off by a mile Milton. Uh, he's still off by a mile Milton. <laughs> but, like, Florida, their, their top seven – or, sorry, their front seven was able to stop Tennessee's run game keep him in check. I mean, dude, Florida's got real, two really nice running backs between Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson. So they were able to get it going. Graham Mertz was a good game manager. Um, honestly, looking at the schedule, Tennessee plays UTSA at home this week. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a little more Nico um, <laughs> than what you might expect. Just did, he, did he get in the game? Did he play at all? No. I don't. I would have to go back and check. I don't think he did. I had like eight screens going at once and that game just ended up being, they were so far out of it that I had kind of tuned out and it was on at the same time as like Ole Miss Georgia tech, um, which ended up being a little bit of a roller coaster. So no, I mean, the, here's the thing though, man, like night home games in college football and first road starts for opponents is, is a tough mix. So the swamp's a tough place to play. Graham Mertz for all his faults has played a lot of college football and Joe Milton really hadn't. Um, it just kind of showed. So, yeah, I don't think Tennessee is the contender. Well, I mean, they might not be the second best team in the SEC East, like everyone had kind of just generally accepted. With that said, I don't know who is South Carolina. Look, South Carolina put in a fight. Uh, they had Georgia on the ropes for a while, so maybe they stake claim to that now. But I mean, we'll see. I think the SEC East will be fun. Georgia hasn't looked invincible either. They just haven't played anybody that's that's phenomenal yet. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, kind of getting it, it. So it doesn't look like Nico played. It also looks. I mean, looking at the stats real quick, like Trevor Etienne had twenty three rushes for one hundred and seventy two yards, which is bananas and a touchdown. Um, Grant Mertz had a rushing touchdown. I mean, Mertz only threw for one sixty six, but he didn't have to do. Yeah. Um, was he like? I'm just gonna guess. I haven't looked at the box score. Was he like fifteen for eighteen? 19 for 24, so, like, not <laughs> – and one touchdown, but for 166 yards. So, Ricky, 19, 
19 attempts for 166 yards. I mean, that's <laughs> it had to be just like dump downs, but I mean, yeah, I mean, ETN 23 carries for 172 is crazy. Yeah. Rushing touchdown, too. So, um, yeah, what was Ricky Pearsall? What did he do from a receiving standpoint? He was probably there six for 43. Eugene Wilson had six for 44. Um, it looks like they had 19 receptions across seven different guys. Yeah, no one's really standing. I mean, Joe Melton, a 20 for 34 for 287, two touchdowns and a INT. Uh, not terrible, but not great. Yeah, they were playing behind most of the night, too. So it was. Yeah, I mean, they, they still get Bama and Georgia. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I think their SEC schedule is now a lot tougher that they've lost to Florida here early on. Um, yeah, so. I, I I have a lot of I I was very high on Tennessee. Um, I was wrong. I I don't have a lot of faith in them just after that game. Which it'll be interesting to see kind of like the narrative going forward though, because I mean, they've dropped some games like that under hype. Like they had the Alabama win last year, which kind of propelled them. But then like. And then the storyline is when they lost to South Carolina last year, like everyone's like, oh, Hendon Hooker got hurt. But like they were getting the shit beat out of them before that happened in that game. So it, it's kind of been an interesting uh, arc with Tennessee because Joe Milton came in and they played really, really good against the Clemson team in that, that bowl game. Um, the Clemson team that ended up being like one and three over a stretch of four games during that period. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I obviously I think the the best pack and this you know hurts me a little bit to say just being an SEC guy, but the best football is being played in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's so true though. Uh yeah. So kind of the next game I want to get into is probably that Georgia Georgia South Carolina game. Um, saw an interesting stat that neither Georgia or Michigan has covered a spread yet. And neither of them, over four in the over, um, both of those teams, um, which is not, it's not normal. Um, Georgia, Georgia and Michigan are usually, at least Georgia, probably more Georgia than Michigan, but like Georgia's covered every spread the last two years, probably even more than that, the last three years. Is it the quarterback play? Like, is it, what was the issue against South Carolina? A little bit of everything or South Carolina hang tough? Yeah, it seemed like so. I mean, so Georgia was still a beast uh, defense. Uh, Georgia's got some injuries as well, too. I think in their secondary, I was actually watching this game with, like I said, like my buddy from Georgia. Uh, my buddy is a Georgia fan was there. And then there was a guy at the bar that like was from Georgia that had stopped in to watch it. So uh, it was like, you know, we had the Ole Miss and like the Georgia section of the bar there um, in the corner. <laughs> And uh, right here in Big Ten country. But, no, I mean, here's – like, Georgia still ended up with 458 yards of offense. Uh, they ran the ball okay. I I think it's a little bit uh, – they don't have – wide receiver, I don't think they've had the dudes that are as dynamic. I mean, obviously, Brock Bowers is still a great player. Um, I think they've got some, some injuries in the secondary on defense. And I think that, um, like I said, that from a wide receiver standpoint, you don't have – 
you don't have like an A.D. Mitchell who showed up in college football playoff games for him or even like a George Pickens. Like they just don't have that kind of guy uh, right now, which Rara Thomas was kind of supposed to be uh, for them. I know that he had gotten in some legal trouble early on. I don't know exactly like what's happened to him. Um, so we'll we'll see. I, I'm sure they'll probably get better as the year goes along. I think it's just kind of one of those things, too. Like if you watch that Florida documentary, it's just very, very hard to stay at the top. Like nobody's really won three in a row in a long, long time. So I think they're probably kind of feeling the effects of that. And then one thing I'll say, too, on South Carolina side is that I've always said Spencer Rattler is like college football Lance Stevenson, where like his belief in his own abilities is much greater than everyone else's perception of him. But the dude is not afraid to go out there and ball. And like when he's playing his best, he can hang with anybody. Like I said, like you'll, they were in a game because Spencer Rattler was their quarterback. They'll probably lose a game at some point this year because Spencer Rattler was the quarterback. But he's, uh, you know, you got to take the, the highs with the lows on guys like that. But no, it'll be in a good game. Um, South Carolina just couldn't muster up enough offense and Georgia's defense won it for him. So that's, that's kind of the way it's been for the Bulldogs. It was a really wet game too. Like the field conditions weren't great. So I uh, read into that what you will, but I mean, they still look good. They just didn't look historically dominant. Um, another game I want to talk about quick is FSU BC, uh, red bandana game for BC. Uh, I watched a little bit of this game. I thought FS FSU went up 14. They scored right before the half and then scored quickly. Uh, after this half start, the second half started, I thought the game was over. I came back and looked, and I think BC went for a two pointer at the end and didn't convert. I believe is what happened. Um, do you think was it a look ahead spot for Florida? We'll get into their at Clemson this week. That game, uh, we'll we'll talk about that here soon. Do um, you think that was more of a look ahead spot for FSU? I mean, BC always plays tough in their red bandana game, um, but BC is still not very good. Um, so I'll say this. So the interesting dynamic here is, right, so FSU's played three games. Um, the two games that they played Power 5 opponents, now LSU and Boston College, they gave up 460 yards and then 457 yards. I think it's probably a mix. Yeah, it's kind of a look-ahead spot. Um, also, Jordan Travis got hurt in the game, but he came back in. Um, but, I, I mean, if you look at especially from their offensive stat lock, they average under four yards a carry at Boston College, which isn't great. Uh, they didn't – they gave up 152 on 41. But I think they were getting gashed at times. They actually got outgamed um, in the game by Boston College, which isn't great. I I don't know. It'll It'll be interesting to see – because uh, now they got to go on the road to Clemson. And it it's a line that the it's gone between like one and a half to two and a half for Florida State being favored. Maybe we were a little bit quick to anoint the, uh, the Seminoles here. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I mean, I would have to go back and look just historically to see. But it does seem like BC every single year plays close in the Wells-Crowther game. And then I'm always like, why didn't I just hammer them here? Because uh, they almost always cover. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Castellanos uh, passing the ball was 20 for 33 for 305 and a touchdown for Boston College. And then I think he, he ran the ball 16 times uh, for 95 yards. So 
Yeah, that's probably not the threat they're going to see from Cade Klubnick at quarterback this week um, in terms of that from, from the Clemson standpoint. But I don't think – like Florida State's ranked number three, and I think that's just more or less – I mean, they, they beat LSU in a nationally televised game to start the season. So that, that plays a lot into it. Would I put them as the third best team in the country though right now? Uh, probably not. I mean, BC struggled against Holy Cross last week, which is crazy. And they show up this week. Uh, I know you and Bubs both had this game. Did not get to watch a lot of it. But LSU, Mississippi State, I don't know. You two both thought Mississippi State would hang tough here. I. It sounds like they were terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, terrible game if you bet Mississippi State. A uh, great game if Mississippi State's your rival. So I was a little bit conflicted there. <laughs> um, that looks like an incompetent football team. Uh, just they got bullied up and down. They they had one play where uh, LSU kind of lost contain and ended up being a big run play. Um, but now, again, they've played two power five opponents. They gave up 431 yards at home to Arizona, 530 yards at home to LSU. Really kind of sucks because they're going through, you know, the Mike Leach tragedy um, with, with how that's played out. And so you've promoted a defensive coordinator who's probably trying to do a little more run power run uh, pro style offense. Will Rogers has now passed for 162 yards and 107 yards uh, in both games. He looks more kind of like an air raid one read guy. I, I'm pretty sure, too, the play calling's a challenge for him as well, too. I think the plays are a lot longer. Uh, than just looking at the cue card and getting it signed in. So, yeah, they also gave up four sacks, and it seemed like he was under pressure all day. Um, they go to South Carolina this week. I don't expect that to be much better for them. Then they get Bama at home. It's going to be a little bit of a trial by fire for them here, I think, because uh, then even that, they get a Western Michigan game at home, which I hope that's their homecoming. Uh, but then they're at Arkansas, at Auburn, home against Kentucky, and at Texas A&M. It's going to their bubs was on them to win the sec west i thought they could i didn't think they would be a contender um i thought they would be a competent football team that's not even what they look like now so uh, next game um i'm looking at is alabama 17 at usf <laughs> alabama 17 at three at usf tyler buckner got announced the starting quarterback Sounds like we saw Ty Simpson as well. Um, I don't think it was good. Uh, I don't think anyone expected Buckner to be the answer. And it sounds like they're going back to Milrow uh, against Old Miss, which we'll get into here a little later. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Alabama um, road game at USF, which was already weird, and they only won 17-3. to um kind of uh concerning for Alabama and I, it's crazy that they're still number 10 in the country I don't I don't get it it's because they're Alabama but I mean do these rankings really matter right now uh probably not at all um did you get to see any of this game yeah. Uh, oh yeah yeah we had that one on um again it was one where I don't think the field conditions were great but Tyler Buckner played the worst I've ever seen an Alabama starting quarterback in my life play. And that's not even an exaggeration. I was 
even thinking back to like the Brody Croy days and stuff. And I was like, dude, I, I don't know. It, you, you'd have to go back a long, long way, like probably first year Saban stuff to get to anything that even was comparable. Uh, they brought Ty Simpson in in the second half. He went five for nine for 73 yards, but he got sacked five times. So that that's another thing that's been wild too. We talked about it. Like they're all incredibly highly rated recruits that are on the Alabama offensive line, but they weren't very experienced. They had 44 career starts coming into the season. They've struggled. They've struggled up front, which isn't something you'd expect to see from Alabama. Um, I think Roy Dell Williams was their leading rusher with 129 yards. That was really kind of the only offense they could get going. The passing game wasn't there. I thought this was a team that had holes last year. It's just when you've got a guy like Bryce Young at quarterback and you've got a kid like Will Anderson on defense, that covers a lot of holes. I still think the Bama defense is really, really good. Uh, have a lot of talented players. Still nervous to play them this week. I'm not writing them off yet. Everybody's writing off the, the Nick Saban um in the Alabama dynasty is being dead that's not really something I like to do not even a spot I want to be playing them in coming out of a week where everyone doesn't give them a chance but yeah in terms of like why they played the game in South Florida apparently the AD wanted to start playing road games in Florida um because obviously they recruit there a lot so just, I think they Alabama actually got paid like four hundred thousand dollars for this game um and got a ticket allotment to go down and play and it was at the Buccaneers stadium too so they played it at NFL stadium so not a terrible road game from that point I also kind of wonder if Nick Saban didn't play like I mean for not playing Milrow this whole game like he went to Simpson went to Buckner just to see what he had in the other two quarterbacks I don't think he's been thrilled with what they've gotten from Milrow thus far if you think of like the the Alabama quarterbacks that we've seen under Nick Saban when they've had a lot of like even Jalen Hurts, um, you know, to a um, and then to Bryce Young, like those kids kind of play within a system, but they're dynamic. Melrose kind of one of those dudes that scrambles around a lot and then tries to throw something up and see what happens. It's, I think it's kind of one of those things Nick Saban was like, hey, let me see what we can get out of these other two kids. And then now he's, he's going to be with Milrow and you've got to try and come up with a game plan that suits his strengths. I just don't know if they have enough special players at wide receiver anymore uh, to, to make something like that work. We'll find out this week, though. We sure will. Uh, the only other game that a quick shout-out, Iowa scored 41 points. Quick shout-out to Bubs. Um, they they beat uh, Western Michigan 41-10. Um, so I guess – that helps Brian Ferentz's, uh stats for uh, points per game, um, but yeah, I I I don't I did not watch any of that game, um, but yeah, shout out they have a big one they're going to Penn State this week, um, but just want to give Bubs the quick shout out uh, forty one points for Iowa is nice. Yeah, they put uh, that actually puts uh, Ferenc above his average that he needs to be to retain his job and get his bonus. So that's going to be an interesting storyline, too, uh, in some of these games where if Iowa gets a chance to run up the score, <laughs> keep watching like Bubs has pointed it out a few times. Uh, they're going to get their touchdowns when they can, I think. They're <laughs> always trying to be trying to be scoring um, so the OC can try and keep his job. But, yeah, shout out. Shout out, Iowa. Uh, yeah, not, the only other game I wanted to just quick out, I mean, Ohio State might be back. Um, it wasn't a look-ahead spot for them at all. 
63 to 10. Kyle McCord looked really good. Um, I think they're still being slept on a little bit. They they're progressing week to week, which is usually what Ohio State does. Ryan Day does. You haven't seen as much progression from Michigan. Um, but this week is the real test for them. Um, any other oh, I guess let's let you talk about old miss one by 25 easy cover. I think I had a minus 19. Um, I thought I saw that there was a backdoor cover by Georgia tech, but they I'm looking right now, they won by 25. So there was not a cover. No. Um, 19 was great. Um, thoughts on old miss. Yeah. So uh, there's, the game was a little bit of a roller coaster because Georgia Tech actually got it to like 24 17. Um, late in the game, it was like late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter. And then Ole Miss kind of blew him out. And then the, uh, they had a, a walk on running back who's actually been pretty dynamic. I'm surprised he doesn't play more. A kid by the name of Matt Jones punched in like a 35 yard touchdown. So, uh, yeah, it was a, a wild game. So you had Quashawn Judkins, who was limited for Ole Miss in the game. Uh, Trey Harris didn't play. Caden Priestcorn didn't play. Zakari Franklin didn't play. So Ole Miss was missing some key players. Uh, Michael Trigg dropped a pass in the end zone on fourth down that, that would have put it away for him pretty early or at least had him kind of roll into a shutout. Defense played good. The problem is, though, when you you run tempo like Ole Miss, you kind of put your, your defense on the field probably more than you'd like. Uh, shout out Jackson Dart, though. He threw for like 250 yards on 10 completions. And then he also ran the ball for like 115 and a couple of touchdowns. So it was a step in the right direction. Um, I mean, Jackson Dart's gotten better every single game. Ole Miss got the cover. Tempo teams against overmatched opponents. That kind of works for you. There's some things, though, that, like, coming out of it, I didn't feel great. I think Ole Miss has to clean some things up for Alabama. But, I mean, you're always going to have stuff like that. Um, all you can do is show up, win the game, which they did. And, again, they, they've played some solid competition now between Georgia Tech, Tulane. I mean, obviously, the Mercer game is what it is. Looks like Ole Miss will be getting some guys back this week, though. So, that's the main thing. Came out of it healthy. Quashon played, didn't, didn't get injured. Um, but yeah, Ole Miss got some things to clean up. We'll we'll see where it goes from here. But three and zero, and I think they're three and zero against the spread. So <laughs> if you're riding Ole Miss, stay on the wagon. We'll see what happens this week. But any other games you want to touch in the recap? No, just I'll touch on the big play. So we had the Vanderbilt game, uh, terrible beat. So Vanderbilt is up seventeen zero to start the game. Let UNLV go on a thirty to zero run. So it's thirty seventeen. Vanderbilt battles back. It's 37-37 late. Vanderbilt's moving the ball down the field. Gets in the field goal range, decides they're going to run it three times um, and then kick a field goal. Missed the 48-yard field goal. UNLV gets the ball back, trying to run out time to send it to overtime. The Vanderbilt coach calls timeout. Then their very next play, UNLV hits a 40-yard pass play, kicks a field goal to win 40-37. to uh, That was terrible because we have the Vanderbilt over. Uh Clark Lee, I thought, you know, had, had some high hopes for him coming in. He's an alum, had been defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Not incredibly high on his tenure now. I thought, you know, that, that's a rough beat. Also, Louisiana Tech was down like 37-20 in the uh, late in the fourth quarter. I quit watching the game. They literally scored like 17 points in five minutes. Tie the game up. North Texas kicks a field goal as time expires to beat us. 
Um, and then you had uh, uh, the UConn. UConn just got completely trashed by Florida International. They were down 24-3, brought it back to 24-17. So we missed, missed on, missed on some of those games. Sorry if you rode, rode with us on it. But, uh, you know, those bad beats happen. Sometimes you get the shake. We got the shake last week or two weeks ago in Oregon, Texas Tech. Didn't get it this week. Uh, real quick, I did not watch enough football. Anybody week three you want to put in Champions Club? Uh, Champions Club. So out of guys that I bet on, that's a tough one. Because I'll put Sacramento State in there because they went. I waited till the line opened. I got a plus eight right when it opened. They won outright at Stanford. Had them on the money line too. So that was a big one. Uh, you know, I'm going to put – I didn't have them on a bet. I'm going to put him in here. Shador Sanders, big game, made some big plays, won it for Colorado, wins in the game. Also the only dude to stand up for his teammate. Um, so I, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot from that kid. He showed a lot. I think he'll have – I think he'll be an NFL quarterback, uh, probably even a good one. So um, I'm rooting for the guy. He, he showed me a lot uh, from, from what I've seen from him this year. And then I think I've put him in every week, but I've got to go back to Jackson Dart. The kid just keeps making – making plays. He, he looks like a fullback out there when he's running at quarterback. Sometimes it's not pretty, but it, it's fun. It's entertaining. Um, he's kept our hopes alive. So he's, he's a kid that a lot of people were down on and he's had to battle for the job. He's had to battle for a starting quarterback job every year that he's been in college and he's just continuously gotten better. So shout out Jackson Dart. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I didn't watch enough football to put anyone in. I, I, if there's anyone, I, I would double down on Shador Sanders. Uh, I would – that I, he looks like a – I wonder if he goes to the NFL next year or he stays back one more year. I think – we'll see. I, I would like to see him do one more year because um, we're going to really see what he's got here coming up with the Pac-12 schedule, conference schedule. But, I mean, just, just for him standing up for his teammate uh, – Love to see that as a quarterback. Um, just love to see that. Just dog mentality. Like, that's his guy. Nobody does that to his guy. So, I definitely agree with that there. The crazy thing is, if he's not a first-round quarterback, they can probably get enough NIL money for him to come back for a year. So, I, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to be an NFL scout here. I wouldn't guess that he's a first-round quarterback, just kind of based on who else is in the class. But, um, yeah, I mean, they – I think it's probably definitely on the table. They could get some NIL funds and keep him there one more year. I would agree with that. that I mean, team. What, he's already made like $5 million this year. And he has a, I think he has like a Rolls Royce. I saw like Brady, Brady, Brady made a, Tom Brady made a funny comment to him. Um, he was like, you better not be driving that thing around. You better be watching film every day, uh, which love that from Brady. Um, Cause that's, that's um just a Brady thing. Um get a get watch film. You're a college quarterback kid. Like this, this isn't it. Um, but let's roll right on to week four. Couple games I want to run through real quick. a uh, couple big ones that want to talk about real quick. And um neither of us might have a play on them, but uh, just want to talk about them real quick and see probably get a side you're leaning on, at least BCB. Um, and then we'll get into our week four cards and get everyone out of here. Um, so let's kick it off. We got uh 
Saturday noon, FSU at Clemson. FSU is minus two and a half right now. Uh, very excited for this game. We talked about FSU earlier. Is Clemson coming off a bye? Or did they – I don't even know if they played last week. I, I think they might have. I have no clue. I don't remember. That's how dead they are that nobody cared about Clemson last week, which is awesome. I know people – I'm in South Carolina, and I know people here want Dabo fired. I know people – alumni of Clemson want Dabo fired. Uh, Dabo has to start hitting the transfer portal and has to start bringing in, uh, like, studs, like dogs on defense and offense. Um, they always recruit well, but I, things have changed. Um, I do think this is a trap spot, though. I am leaning Clemson plus two and a half. I don't want to be leading this way. I want nothing to do with Clemson, but Clemson at home. Um, I it's I don't it's a tough spot both ways because FSU, like. I don't. I, I think last week could have been a fluke and a look ahead spot. So, like, what FSU do we get? Um, I think FSU could also blow Clemson out, but I'm leaning Clemson catching the two and a half at home. I also think the noon the noon game is uh, works out well for Clemson. Uh, thoughts on this game, BCB? Yeah. So you get so if Clemson's coming off a blowout win uh, last week. They beat Florida Atlantic 48 uh, 14 in a home game. So. It worked out. Uh, it's kind of been an interesting – like, if you go back and look, like, Clemson's been really efficient running the football. So, even against Duke, they, they ran the ball really well. They just fumbled it every time they got the scoring drives. Usually that's kind of a fluky thing. Um, if you clean that stuff up, I think that this is a winnable game for them. Um, again, so, they played Charleston Southern week two held Charleston Southern to 12 yards rushing, 61 passing. And then Florida Atlantic last week held them to 83 yards rushing on 36 carries. So they did get gashed by Duke, though. They gave up uh, 199 on 30. So if they can kind of hold that that run game in check, the passing defense has held up pretty well. Um, Clemson only has four, four sacks on the year as well, too, which I kind of would expect the defensive line to be a little better. So they're going to have to get to Jordan Travis. They're going to have to be able to run the ball in Florida State. I think they will. This is probably one of those games where every guy you work with, uh, every every Joe Public, if you will, is going to be on Florida State minus the two-and-a-half Florida State money line, uh, Florida State with the teaser. Again, like, everybody wants to count Clemson out. I'm not there yet. Um, they, like, the same kind of thing Alabama. Like, you look at them, they still got a lot of talent on that roster. They're still pretty talented on both sides of the football. So, if they lose this week, we'll have a different conversation next week. I'm just not ready to count them out yet. If they win here, though, then all of a sudden they're right back in the playoff race. And they, with a home game against Notre Dame and a road game against Miami and not a lot else, uh, they do have to play South Carolina last week of the season. But, again, you get yourself right back in the conversation. Um, also, that week one game against Duke, they had over 400 yards of offense, only scored seven points. That in and of itself is a pretty fluky thing. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they, they can hold up this week. If Now, they if they go in there and get blown out, then yeah. Then then, I'm, then, then Dabo's got to figure something out. Um, he'll, the, the transfer portal will have to change. I think he will change his tune on that to some extent. 
he may he may dip his toe in the water and just say, hey, I'm going to do grad transfers and JUCO kids or something like that, but or kids that he originally had recruited or something. I'm sure he'll come up with some sort of uh, qualifier to where he can appease some people, but also stick to himself a little bit. But uh, yeah, I give me the I, I I'm probably not going to bet this game, but if I was betting this game, it would be the Clemson Tigers. Love it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I that's a good point. Like. I'm I was so ready to dance on Clemson's grave and we could have a one loss Clemson team in the college football playoff, which is crazy. Uh, but we'll I we'll we will see uh on Saturday what type of clean team Clemson is. Uh they're obviously a much better team at home. Uh the next game is 3:30 ABC. It's uh Number 19, Colorado at Oregon. That line is minus 21. I am leaning Oregon minus 21. Uh, I'm not sure if it's on my card. I'll get to my card after we go through a couple of these games. I'm very excited for this game. I think this is the real first test for Colorado. It's the real first road test for Colorado. Um, I, I am very excited. And obviously that line is telling. It's 21. I'm sure there will be crazy people that will be on Colorado money line. I don't think they have a chance, but it is coach prime. It's Deion Sanders. So you'd really don't want to count that guy out. Um, But very excited for this game. Yeah, I've got some thoughts. So the reason that I think that's part of the reason the 12 team football playoff where people think Cinderella's are going to go crazy and make a run and it's going to change it. Well, let me tell you something. So in football, you can have guys on one side of the field that are like six, 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 five, 340, 350 pounds and their future NFL players. And they're going up against a guy who's like six, five, two ninety, And he's going to be working at a call center in three months. And that dude, that's a future NFL player gets to kick the shit out of the call center guy for like 60 minutes. Okay. So <laughs> that's a little bit of what we're getting here with the Oregon Colorado game where like, you've got like everyone kind of flock into this public underdog story of Colorado. They got the number at 21. Again, it's also a team that a lot of books, I, w- I would guess if you looked at the raw power rating, they probably have the points as more as Oregon is a much better team than 21. They opened it at like 17 and it went to 21 pretty quick. Um, I think if it gets much higher than this, then they're just going to be flooded with public money from Colorado. Uh, Travis Hunter was there. They've got two different makers, two, two real difference makers on Colorado, Travis Hunter and Shador Sanders. Travis is out. And that's a two-way player. So now you're missing a kid that's NFL caliber cornerback, NFL caliber wide receiver. I don't think you're replacing him with much. Uh, one of the kids that plays cornerback for him was a, was a cornerback at Ole Miss, uh, last couple of years. And he was okay. I mean, I don't think that he would be starting on this team at Ole Miss. Now he's out there. Um, so here's some troubling stats with Colorado once I started looking into it. As a team, they have not rushed for over 70 yards in a game. Ooh, that's bad, man. <laughs> they haven't rushed. They've given up 16 sacks in three games. We already questioned the manhood of their offensive linemen a little bit for not sticking up for their dude. I also think that this isn't quantified in any stat kind of plays into the sack, but Shador Sanders holds the ball forever. Like back there, sometimes he has time and he kind of lets things break down. And when you've got Travis Hunter out there running around, that's fine. Um, they're not going to be able to do that on Saturday. 
Also, Shador Sanders, they did play a road game at TCU. I think the atmosphere at Oregon and Austin Stadium is going to be a little bit different than a road game at TCU to kick off the season. Um, on the flip side, so then we, we talk about the defensive line, right? So we're always saying it's made in the trenches. Also, Oregon is like a team that's like ninth in terms of total the total team talent composite on 24-7. So they've got a lot of talented kids over the years. Um, and kind of build a pipeline there from recruiting. The the Colorado uh, defense has given up 200 or more rushing yards in two of their three games. Like we said, this Oregon team, uh, when they put 81 on Portland, if you just kind of off the top of your head, you would have thought Bo Nix lit them up. Wasn't the case. This Oregon team has, a, has an element of a power run game to them as well. I think they'll be able to exploit it. Um, also, on the Oregon side, so they're averaging 587 yards of offense a game. Oregon is. They also have only given up one sack on the year. So the, it's a huge advantage in the trenches. I'm honestly probably going to try and lay an alt line of like 27 and a half. I've already got some money on. I've got three units on 21. I might go another unit on like minus 27 if I can find it somewhere and get about two to one or so on that. Um, just to, to play at four to win five. I think it really just comes down to does Dan Lanning go for the kill or not <laughs> on on uh, on the, the Colorado Buffalo because I think he does I think he absolutely does and I like you just like Bo Nix is going to have all day to pass all day <laughs> yeah and so and then so uh, so the over under seventy which might be the biggest number on the board this week so it's one that Vegas is already kind of expecting I love like I said so. We talk about teams that run tempo against foes that are outmatched. Um, I'd have to look to see where Oregon's at in terms of tempo, but Colorado is 12th in the country in tempo. So if they're running, getting Shador killed out there, um, it might be uh, Oregon's 72nd in tempo. So they're not, they're about middle of the pack. Uh, but yeah, Colorado likes to run a fast offense. If Oregon's getting the stops, getting the three and outs, and then they're running all over them, it, it could be a bad day. Also, doesn't it kind of seem like Coach Prime's probably not the dude that's going to wave a white flag? No, absolutely not. So, we'll see. I, again, I think Oregon's just a better football team. I was hoping or uh, Colorado would have dominated Colorado State because I think you would have gotten a better price here um, and a better number on Oregon. 21 is not great. Like I said, I should have hit it at 17 when it opened. I was not in a place where I could get the bet in. So missed that. But yeah, give me Oregon here. Oregon big. I honestly, I took Oregon at 40 to 1 to win the national title a couple weeks ago. I think they, I, like I said, the Pac 12 is brutal, but I'll take it. Uh, next game we have. Speaking of Pac-12, uh, UCLA at Utah. Utah minus four and a half. Not a ton, not a ton to say here. Um, I'll I'll probably take Utah. I'm guessing Cam Riser's back. I don't know if he played last week. I I think he was expected to play last week. Um, not a ton to say here. I, I I'm just taking Utah. And Kyle Whittingham at home. Uh, I also think Cam Riser just uh, changes that team because um, they're second string quarterback was terrible at Baylor yeah I don't I don't have a lot to really add um to this one they played Weber State I think it's it might even be Weber State uh based on watching the the NCAA tournament over the years I think that's the alma mater of Dame Lillard 
Uh, so Cam Rising did not play last week. So this would be his first game back. Um, also, first game road start for Dante Moore in UCLA. So do with that what you will. Um, I don't know. It's tough to get a read on Utah. Like you said, they, I honestly, I kind of commend them for going into Baylor and battling with a backup quarterback on the road. So that was a, uh, that was a big win for them. But they just play such a different style. It's kind of like, you know, styles make fights. They got a much different style than UCLA and those guys do. Um, we'll see how UCLA holds up with some new, new parts going into, I'm sure the, the Utah crowd is going to be electric. Um, it's a night game, right? Or is it three 30? Oh, this is three 30 also. So, yeah. So afternoon game, um, I would lean Utah. This isn't going to be one that I bet. I will not. I probably won't touch this either. The next game moving right along is the old miss rebels at Alabama. Uh, I'm seeing six and a half here. I've also seen seven. I've also seen seven and a half places. Um, yeah. I I am taking Old Miss plus seven or plus seven and a half. I don't hate the plus six and a half either. I I think Alabama's a mess. Um, I think Texas picked apart Melrose. I think there's. Also, Texas picked apart Alabama's defense. I would say Texas's offense is more similar to Old Miss's offense. Um, I think the tempo is going to be too much for Bama. I think Old Miss will be able to make big plays against them. And I love Jackson Dart to kind of tear apart this Bama's defense. It is in Tuscaloosa, but they've already lost to Texas in Tuscaloosa this year. And that was Milrow who played that game two weeks ago. Um, so I, I will be on old miss here. I think this is, uh, I think it's Lane's time to shine with Jackson dart. Um, but I'll kick it to you. Cause these are your rebels. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll try and keep this one short for the people out there and let's hit the key points. So like I said, last week, the, the, the huge point of emphasis was a rushing game for Ole Miss. It was much improved against Georgia Tech. The offensive line looked a lot better. They were able to run the ball, and that's in a game where Kashawn Judkins at the last minute was announced as doubtful, but he played, but didn't play a lot. But Ulysses Bentley kind of kicked it up, who he had been a starting running back at SMU and then transferred to Ole Miss last year and was hurt. Uh, but he had a big game Saturday. So I think Ole Miss is really good at the running back spot. I think they're really good at the wide receiver spot. They haven't had their – so Trey Harris has played five quarters of football at wide receiver for Ole Miss. He has eight catches and five touchdowns. He should be back Saturday, hasn't played the last two. I think that's huge getting him back. They also have Zachary Franklin, who was one of the best G5 wide receivers in the country last year for UTSA. He hasn't played, had a knee scope before the year. He has practiced in a limited – fashion I think the last couple of weeks they do expect him to play in some capacity Saturday is what I've heard and then also Caden Prescorn who was the best tight end in the American conference I think he might even have been an honorable mention All-American in some spots he's a tight end for Ole Miss that came in the portal this year he also had a, a knee injury before the season hasn't played yet uh, but he was practicing Monday full go they expect they've expected him back for this game all along so we're getting some pieces back um, you've got the Lane and the Nick Saban rivalry, which is always great. Lane was sending uh, some Taylor Swift lyrics about a crumbling castle to Nick Saban today on Twitter. So that's fun. Uh, another interesting dynamic, too, is Pete Golding had been the defensive coordinator at Alabama for the last few years. He's no longer there. He's at Ole Miss now. The Alabama fans hated him, couldn't wait to see him gone. 
Um, so again, that's that's another thing to kind of add to it. You've got two former Alabama assistants really going against uh, Nick Saban here. I would take Golden to pick apart Milrow and just he's just studying that Texas film, man. <laughs> so like we said, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, man. So you had Alabama, right, who's got talented recruits on the offensive line, but it hasn't meshed. They've given up a sack on 13% of their dropbacks so far this year. And that's with a kid like Milrow, who's dynamic at running the ball back there as well. Uh, Ole Miss has 10 sacks through three games, and that was playing Georgia Tech, Tulane. Um, and then, like I said, you had the Mercer game, but it, neither one of those games were sack heavy. I think it was all kind of split up equally from a stack standpoint. So we'll see. Um, Ole Miss is, is going to bring in uh, – they, they kind of use some rotations at linebackers. Um, and at quarterback, they've, they've gone and, and made a, a lot of transfer portal acquisitions in the offseason to, to shore up the secondary. So they're, they're going to have to contain Milrow. Uh, that's going to be the main thing. I think one thing that's in Ole Miss's edge is that they've already played a road game against a ranked team this year. Like not a lot of teams can say that. They already went into the Lions' den at Tulane. Ended up in a dogfight, but won. Uh, obviously, it was 30-20, to 20, and then they got the late touchdown to make it 37-20. But I do think there's a value in having been in a dogfight on the road. Obviously, it's not Alabama, not an SEC school. But you've kind of – you've been in the lion's den. You came out victorious. Now you get a chance. Also, the Ole Miss team last year in Oxford, these kids were seven yards away from beating Alabama at the end of the game. Couldn't get it done. I think it's kind of stuck with them. Uh, and as, as you've heard him talk and, and do interviews this week. So another thing too, uh, going back and looking at the, the Lane and Nick Saban have played each other four times. The outcome of those games, it was the first one was at Tennessee. It was 12-10 Saban. Uh, second one was the 2020 game, Ole Miss, Alabama. It was 63-48 Ole Miss. That was a game where Ole Miss just couldn't stop them, but they were doing onside kicks, going for it on fourth down. Um, really kind of the game to put Matt Crowell on the spot. Then in 21, Ole Miss went to Tuscaloosa, lost 42-21. And then last year, Ole Miss lost 30-24. to So they're, Kiffin is 0-4 against Saban, but he's 3-1 against the spread. So if you, they, he's gone in. He's never really had the horses uh, to, to beat Nick Saban. This year they might. But still, like we want to talk about Alabama being down. 73 of their 85 scholarship guys were four or five star recruits. Like they've got talent on the roster. They just don't have the assistant coaches that they've had. Like, like I said, they tried getting Washington's offensive coordinator. They missed on him. They ended up with Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, whether that was their first choice or not. There's been, I have heard that Pete Golding had a contract offer from Alabama and chose Ole Miss. Now it, Play into that what you will. I'm sure there's there's some things that went. I don't know how serious the, the offer was or what the numbers were or anything like that. I mean, Bill, Bill O'Brien was quick to go back to the Patriots. I'll tell you yeah. that much. <laughs> well, they wanted him out too. So like the fans wanted these guys out. And it's like it's one of those things you can always fire a guy, but who are you going to replace him? That's that's the main thing. And now, like I said, they don't have Bryce Young. They don't have a Jamison Williams. They don't have a Jerry Judy. They don't have Julio Jones. Like, they, I don't think they have the players that they have had. So They don't even have, like, a Najee Harris, Brian Robinson yeah. Jr. Like, they don't even have that. Yeah, they've gone from having, like, all-time great players are just very good players. And then, and then on top of that, they had to lose. So their assistant coaches are down a, a notch. I think 
they don't have the the offensive firepower that they did. Like I said, the defense is still really great. If they can just kind of figure it out on offense, defensively they're going to be fine. They're they're not out of it yet either. Like <laughs> if they win, if they win on Saturday, they're still very much alive. Um, but I think also too, so you got to go back and look at like all the stuff that had to go into play for Alabama to even kind of be on the ropes. So like I said, they miss on the Washington offensive coordinator. They don't get the deal done there. He decides to stay in Washington. They, if you want to believe the rumors that are out there, took a swing at Drake May, who had committed to them as a high school recruit. And apparently there were some numbers floated to where he had a $5 million offer. And it said from a couple schools, he doesn't land. There was also the rumor out there that Tyler Van Dyke may have been offered money to go to Alabama. They don't land him. Talia Tagovailoa, who had been at Alabama at one point, said that he was offered $1.5 million to transfer. So, and then they ended up with Buckner, who came with Tommy Reese, and he's probably never playing quarterback for him again. But the, the thing is, people always try to make it like, oh, Alabama, like this year's topsy-turvy because Alabama, um, you know, the transfer portal and, and NILs really changed it. Well, no, Alabama's still cleaning up. They just missed on some guys in the transfer portal. They still have a good coaching staff, not great. Uh, they're still going to be pretty dang tough to beat. And then if you want a 12-team playoff, the thing is this team would never be dead. They're still probably going to get in the playoff because they'll probably lose at most three games this year. So it's like they're, they're going to be there regardless. It's And then the funny thing is people act like the due to the transfer portal and all this, is it's created this level of parity. Well, who is it that's competing for the top spots? Because to me, it's still Ohio. Like, you've still got Ohio State, Georgia. Okay, so then who are the other teams that are up there? Oh, well, it's Florida State. It's Michigan. (laughs) It's USC. Well, I I saw you retweeted uh, Chris Felicia, the Bear, his tweet, and was like, how awesome is this, all of these teams competing for those four spots? Yeah. Let's say goodbye to this next year where everyone gets a participation trophy and like, we're not even going to care about those lower tier teams that have three wins. It's just going to be, I don't, it's going to be these Alabama, like these mediocre teams that aren't one, like one win teams. Um, Cause there's even some PAC 12 teams that, I mean, they, there's a couple of those that could be the top four. Like it's, it's, yeah, I, I get your point a lot more as as this starts to unfold and how awesome it is this year that the four like it, it would it's hard to pick four teams that you that you know are gonna make the playoffs, especially with Georgia struggling. Um I think this I think we're in store for one of the funnest years we've had in a long time. Um and I, I think it's playing out right in right into that right now, which is awesome. Yeah, because if you look at it, like, in a 12-team playoff, this game between Ole Miss and Alabama doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter because you've got – so Ole Miss plays Alabama and Georgia both on the road. So as an SEC team, at the beginning of every year, you're going to say they can lose those two games on the road, and then you're, you're fine. As long as you don't lose four, you're probably in. So especially since they have the road win over Tulane. So it's like, okay, you can you can trip up. So – yeah, it just really sucks that now, I mean, basically like all these major games we've listed, like Ohio State, Notre Dame, even Colorado, Oregon, like it's 21 point spread, but then you got Ole Miss, Alabama, like all these Utah, UCLA too, for that matter. Like 
all these games kind of have like a heavyweight title fight feel to it, right? Or like even even around like horse racing, like there's a Kentucky Derby feel of like one big moment. That's all going to be gone next year, unfortunately. I hate to be like the Debbie Downer of it, but I don't like reducing. You have the greatest regular season in sports, and now we're reducing that to just try and make it like every other sport for to put in teams that probably aren't going to have a chance at winning. Which like this year, I do think they're probably, if you were going to say, hey, like, give me a year where 12 teams could win the title, this would probably be a great year for it. But I just think it reduces the the awesomeness of the regular season. Um, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, another game, just real quick. We're now getting into the night games. There's three, three night games that are ranked on ranked. I don't have a ton on this game. I know uh, Washington State was a winner for you um, last week, maybe two weeks ago now. But Oregon State at Washington State, this is a 7 o'clock game. Um, it's Oregon State's favored by three. I think this could be a really fun game to watch. Uh, Cam Ward and um, Washington State, who did they just upset? Uh, so they just beat Wisconsin at home. Okay, they beat Wisconsin outright. Um, I, I, I think this could be a very interesting game and one of these teams could be a one win Pac-12 team or, a, or I guess a one loss or two loss Pac-12 team at the end of the season. I don't, I don't really have a side here. Um, just kind of excited for that. Um, cause again, the Pac-12 so good that week four, we're getting Oregon state number 14 at Washington State number 21 and it should be a lot of fun <laughs> yeah that's like it's a tough one for me because I like both these teams and they're both like kind of my Cinderella teams um coming into it uh and I, I don't know who it's going to be uh don't know who it's going to be that that ultimately takes it here I don't even have a rooting side because I like both teams about the same so we'll we'll see how it shakes out uh Cam Ward's played really well at home um they they got the the washington win oregon states played really good though as well too so tough to uh tough to say <coughs> i think i i don't know i'm probably not gonna have a uh not gonna have a side in it um but i would if i could i would pick i'll probably pick washington state just being at home um kind of being that that evening game for them All right. Uh, yeah, let's move right along. Uh, definitely excited for that game. That's a seven o'clock. And then we have two 730 games. Um, these are both, um, I guess one of them is a lot better than the other. The other one's interesting, but Iowa, number 24, Iowa at Penn State. Um, I'm not sure if this is the whiteout. It might be Penn State whiteout, not positive. I know it used to always be Ohio State. It's not anymore. Um, I, I think it might be the whiteout. It's a 7:30 game. Penn State's favored by 15. I probably like Penn State to cover the 15. I think Penn State's on a different level this year. I think Drew Allard, there's a chance he's the guy. They struggled a little bit uh against Illinois last week, which was surprising. May have been a little bit of a look ahead spot, but um it will be interesting to this is the first really real challenge for uh Bubs's Hawkeyes I mean they got to go all the way to Penn State for 7 30 night game um I mean Penn State is favored by 15 here um but it, it'll be interesting to see 
Um, I, I think we'll definitely see some Big Ten football. Um, this will be a war in the trenches. Um, so I, I'm excited to watch this game. It will be on the second TV, and this might be a flip back and forth between Oregon State and Washington State on the uh, second TV. Um, but, yeah, any any thoughts on this game? Just, just had to go over this uh, for Bubs once he listens. I mean – Night games at Penn State are Penn State are tough. I mean, they're fun. That's a it's a fun football environment to watch and just see. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think I was going to be going up against it here. <laughs> this might get their their points average back down below uh, where they want it to be. Yeah, for Penn sure. State, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, Penn State's been pretty good against the run. Um, I think they've uh, they've held their last two opponents under a hundred yards rushing each as a team. So. Uh, good luck to Bubs. I'll be rooting for him here. I, I don't feel confident about his Hawkeyes. I would I would take Penn State here. Um, I think they probably win it pretty heavily, uh, pretty pretty easily. Could be bordering on blowout territory. But that's the nice thing about college football. You never know. Cade McNamara might go in there and uh, do some stuff. But I uh, I will not be not be uh, expecting much from the Hawkeyes this week. Tough to say. Sorry, Bubs. Um, I'm sure you, right now you'd be saying they're going to win outright at Penn State and we'd be laughing at you. So uh, there's that. Uh, I got them on the money line. So if they win, shout out Bubs. <laughs> uh, and then really the last one, the main event, we have Ohio State, number six in the country, headed to South Bend uh, to play Notre Dame and Sam Hartman and this game is Ohio State minus three, which uh, I think we talked about it last week. We thought it would be closer to a pick 'em, um, or I, I guess we thought we thought I I I thought it would be closer to a pick 'em. I don't know if was it Kelly Ford you were looking at that had that. I mean, this is seven thirty game night game in South Bend. Um, I think Ohio State has come for a, a, a long way in the their first three games um i think that offense is very good and i think that defense is ramping up well um this should be an awesome game i will probably hammer the over i don't know what the total is but i think there will be a lot of points scored um i could be completely wrong because this is a prime time game and it's college football but i i just sam hartman Kyle McCord and these offenses, um, high-powered. They've scored a lot of points. Um, I I don't know if I have a side yet. I, I'm terrified of this game. The minus three Ohio State, like, everything says take Notre Dame, um, but I, I still want to take Ohio State minus three. Yeah, so looking at the uh, the K Ford ratings, so he actually like Ohio State took a huge bump up in the power ratings. That a lot of like a lot of places have number one now after the offensive performance last week against it was Western Kentucky. So he has a he actually has Ohio State by nine on a neutral field. So probably like six is a home team, give or take. I'll give give him an extra point for the uh, the night home game for Notre Dame. Um, one thing is Notre Dame's actually been like equally efficient running and passing the ball. They're averaging about six yards per carry across, uh, or they've had over six yards per carry in three of the four games. 
they've been really, really effective on defense as well, too. Um, the offensive line, though, so they've, they've played really one power five opponent. That was NC State. They gave up four sacks in that game, and they've given up zero in the other three. So kind of makes you wonder. Um, Ohio State definitely has the defensive line talent to exploit that offensive line for Notre Dame and kind of get in their ass a little bit. So I'm leaning towards Notre Dame. I would probably take the money line on Notre Dame here. A lot of what it boils down to is you've got Kyle McCord making that first road start. Um, and then also I, I think it's going to come down to how well Ohio State can run the ball. They averaged 4.6 yards per carry against IU and Youngstown State. I think the Notre Dame defense is a little better than that. But on the other side, Ohio State has held every one of their opponents under 100 yards rushing. I don't think they're going to do that to Estime, though. Um, I think that kid's legit. That is a very, very tough running back for Notre Dame. It's just you've got kind of a contrast here, and it's kind of one that you see now with the transfer portal and COVID years and everyone having an extra time. <laughs> you've got a really, really experienced quarterback on one side of the ball. and You've got a talented but inexperienced quarterback on the other side going on the road. I mean, all McCord might really need to do in this game is just get the ball up to Marvin Harrison Jr. and Abuka, and uh, they'll be fine. But I'm going to take Notre Dame. I'm going to take the more experienced team, take the team that I think probably looked better, looked like a more complete team in their first few games. But you can't, you can't count out the Buckeyes, right? Like anytime. Again, though, there's another game that in a 12-team playoff, it doesn't really matter all that much. But – because Notre Dame can't even get a buy anyway. So it's like in the format. So you wouldn't even have that in play here. But this year, it means a lot. Uh, whoever wins definitely is kind of in the driver's seat for a playoff position, I think, though. So, like you said, it, it'd be tough to name four teams and feel confident that any four can get in. But whoever wins this game is going to be, be driving right towards one of those four playoff speeds. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a very exciting <laughs> Four should be very exciting. Uh, really looking forward to uh, this week of college football. Um, one of the best slates, uh, definitely the best slate we've seen. Week two was awesome. This is probably going to be better. Um, just the ranked, the ranked, the amount of matchups we have. Um, and I mean, football, uh, noon, noon to, um, all the way through to 10, 10 30 p.m. So get comfy on Saturday. Um, let's get into our cards here quick and then our uh, mortal locks. Uh, you want to kick off your card here and save your mortal lock, BCB? Yeah. So we had, uh, I've already got, got it here. So we, I've already given out Notre Dame plus the three. Um, and I'm also going to take them a little bit on the money line. Um, so on the exit, we talked about all the big games. Let's get into the crumbs. That's where most of this, the rest of this card's going to come from. Uh, UConn, they've spited us twice. Now we're getting on the other side. Taking Duke minus 21 at UConn this week. Uh, this UConn team looks absolutely incompetent. Um, K Ford, our shout out K Ford, actually has Duke by about 26 on a neutral field. And that doesn't account for the injury to <laughs> UConn's original starting quarterback. Uh, Duke has also ran all over their opponents this year. I was interested to find out Riley Leonard actually only has one touchdown pass for as good as he, been, he has been, but Duke's been a predominant running, running team. Uh, UConn has been run all over by teams that they have played. So now, now you're getting a, a Duke team that comes in here that's a little bit tougher 
than Maine or than Florida International, um, or sorry, not Maine, um, which whatever the FCS school that they had played was. Uh, but yeah, Duke's averaging over six yards a carry. Uh, one thing I do worry about, though, Duke has Notre Dame at home next week, so I'm kind of worried about it being a little bit of a letdown spot, but I think they'll get the pass game going with Riley Leonard. Um, next, moving on, so still in the crumbs, Nevada's at Texas State. Texas State's lane 17. Uh, again, this is going back to one of my favorite angles here. You're running tempo against bad teams. Texas State, their incarnate word coach, G.J. Kenny, is now the head coach of Texas State. They've got T.J. Finley, the Auburn transfer quarterback. They're ninth in the country in tempo. Uh, Nevada's probably feeling themselves a little bit. They had a moral victory by not getting blown out against Kansas at home last week. The week before, they had been absolutely demolished by Idaho, who's an FCS team at home. Texas State, I don't think will take them lightly. There's one of those things where the coaches are going to be like, hey, they almost beat Kansas. Like, you got you to gotta focus in. Uh, Nevada also their defense has given up 500 yards per game right now so Texas State offense I think they'll they'll score enough here to to get the uh, the 17 point cover um, also Nevada's had some issues on the offensive line Texas State has 14 sacks in their three games so <laughs> they're able to get to the quarterback run tempo making Nevada have to have the ball and try and make plays against you has been a good formula we'll take Texas State there at home and then last kind of a, a styles makes fight thing. Um, and again, you, you got a team that's in a letdown spot. I'm taking Akron plus 17 at IU. Uh, this is again, so you've got the over under on this game is like 45. So not all spreads are the same, right? Like we're laying 17 in the Texas state game, the over under 60. We're getting 17 in a, a spot where the over under is 45. So basically you're saying if Akron can score about 14 points, probably going to cover. Um, these two teams, so uh, they're 124 and 127 in terms of tempo. So it's not going to go fast. Um, Akron's offensive line hasn't been great. IU has been been averaging about two sacks per game. So we'll see, see how that goes. Um, interesting note on Tom Allen, the head coach at IU. So since that 2020 miracle run the last two years, uh, they're two and five against the spread in their non-conference games. And the only two covers they had were against FCS squads. So, and so then again, kind of a letdown spot. IU starts Big Ten competition next week at Maryland. And then they're just coming off a game where they lost on the last play to Louisville um, at Lucas Oil this week. So it's kind of, kind of a middle spot. I think Akron might get a little bit overlooked. If you're Akron, you don't overlook these spots. You got to take advantage of it. I trust them to, to go in and, and keep it keep it within 17. So I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they keep it pretty close in the first half, like if they're winning or tied at halftime. Heck yeah. Any, anything else you saving? you got the mortal saved? Oh yeah. And then the mortal, do you want me to go ahead and do that one? Yeah, no, wait, I'll, I'll get into mine real quick here and we'll get you all out of here. Um, so starting with a total uh, over 62 and a half Georgia state at coastal. This is Thursday night, 7.30 game. Um, there's going to be a lot of points scored in that game. Um, next, I'm going Wisconsin minus six at Purdue. Um, I think Purdue is just really bad, I believe. Um, Wisconsin bounce box spot. I think Wisconsin, this is a Friday night game. I think Wisconsin, uh, Luke Fickle will put on, easily cover that six at Purdue. I'm then taking Vandy. 
plus 13 and a half. Uh, one of my buddies who listens, shout out Diwu, didn't have any dogs last week. I have a couple dogs this week, starting with Vandy. I'm taking Vandy at home uh, versus Kentucky, uh, plus 13 and a half. Next one, I'm going with Oregon, minus 21 and a half. We've already talked enough about Oregon. I think they're just bigger, stronger. They're going to roll Colorado. It's going to be a rude awakening for Colorado. I think the books will probably uh, make some money on some dumb betters that think Colorado have a chance. Uh, I'm taking the Old Miss Rebels plus seven at Alabama. Another dog. I'm then taking Georgia Tech plus four at Wake Forest. I don't think Wake Forest is very good. I think Georgia's already played some tough opponents. They've already played Louisville. They've already played Old Miss. I think this is a good spot for them to go into Wake and win that game outright. Um, but I'm taking the plus four. And then I have a, another total over 55 and a half, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Um, I think both of these teams will be able to score even score at will. I think there will be a lot of big plays in this game. Both of the offenses have just too much star power. I don't see this being a uh, like run, 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 run. Um, I think both play high tempo. I think over 55 and a half should be easy money. And then my mortal lock of the week, and I'll kick it over to BCB after I do this, is James Madison minus six and a half at Utah State. I hate Utah State. I think they stink. Uh, James Madison's a pretty good team. Um, they beat Virginia at Virginia a couple weeks ago. They're also shut out Sunbelt team. Coastal Carolina will have to play them eventually. I'm worried about James Madison. I think they are a very talented Sunbelt team, and I think they will be able to go into Utah State and blow their doors off. So James Madison minus six and a half is my mortal lock, um, and that's what we have. I did shout out Diwu again. Three three dogs there this week, so the dogs are barking. Um, let's go. Yeah, yeah, can't argue with you there. So, and then the, that would be the most Vanderbilt thing of all time for them to just go win outright uh, against Kentucky this week. I think it could uh, happen, man. <laughs> any, I'm telling you, that's the thing that worries me most about like the Alabama Ole Miss game. It's like you start counting people out. That's usually when they come back. College kids can turn it around. Uh, I'd already touched on it earlier, so I won't go super in-depth. Obviously, the mortal lock. Give me Oregon. Uh, not too many times you get games like this where the public is all on one side. You can get on the other. Usually, those clean up well for the house. So, uh, yeah, this is, like I said, we this was going to be the uh, the Peaky Blinders game where Colorado had, had won and won and won, and then everyone just gets wiped out. Uh, I think that kind of happened to a lot of people last week, but I don't doubt people will be hopping back on the Colorado, uh, Colorado train. So lock it in, uh, lock of the week, Oregon minus 21, even look at an alt line of like minus 27. Quick trivia. Do you know the name of the horse in the first episode? Uh, I know the one that he had was Gracie's Secret. Mahogany Bay was the first one that they blow the dust in in the first. Oh, episode. okay, Mahogany Bay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something along those lines, but yeah, that that was the first one, uh, in the first episode where they blow the dust. One wins the first couple of races, and then they switch over. It's great. Oh, man. 
Our mahogany <laughs> bay lock of the week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Um, that that's it for this week. Appreciate you guys listening. Let's get some winners on Saturday. Let's watch some uh, good college football.